Educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm. Live from McKillop College, Werribee, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Hey, hope you're having a great day. My name is Lockie and I'm along with Charlie, Jai, Jack and Mabek, broadcasting from McKillop College, Werribee, Melbourne, Australia on Live FM. Our topic today is gambling, more so the effects that gambling has, which is why we have our guest, Fred Rubenstein, a man who has lived experience in gambling harm. Welcome to the show, Fred. Thanks, Logan. Gambling seriously impacted your life. When did you start gambling? I started gambling when I was 14, year 9. Um, at first, really small amounts, like just pocket money, $5, $10 on long shot multis. And that, that's how I got started. And then it uh, got progressively worse, especially after I finished school and had access to a lot more time and money. My name's Charlie. G'day and man. yeah, one of the main questions I had for you is like, at what point did you realise that, you know, this is actually become like a serious problem? That's a good question. Um, so I graduated in 2014 and got access to my an inheritance at the end of 2014. Um, so... In 2015, I went to uni, but it wasn't working out, so I dropped out, and I was punting, gambling every night, every single night, really? and I was losing probably five out of six nights, six out of seven nights, like anywhere between two and thou- two to five thousand dollars. It was a big, it was a big <laughs> inheritance, yeah. And I was, I could feel that it was problematic. Like yeah. I was very distressed and anxious and like desperate to win it back, but in my mind, I had so much ego and and just not willing to let go of the loss. Yeah. And I was holding on. So I guess it wasn't until probably the end of 2015 when I lost all that money and I started stealing actually, unfortunately, from yeah. my mother. And then after about the third time I did that, she um she said, if you do this again, I'll, I'll call the police. That's when I knew that it was serious. That's when like really hit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was my rock bottom. Yeah. And that was when... You know, that self-preservation kicked in and I felt everything that I'd been doing, you know, because like I said to you guys earlier, it's very easy to distance yourself from the world, from losing when it's through chips, when it's through screens. But when you feel that pressure from your mother that, you know, if you keep doing this, she's going to she's gonna get you charged with the police. You, it's very serious and you, you, you just, you fire up. And for me, I, that was my rock bottom. And that was the moment I knew I had that a problem and I had to do something about it. Yeah. Um, I'm Jai. Um, you were exposed to gambling from such a young age. Yes. Do you think that was a major contribution to your gambling issues? Definitely, definitely. I, I didn't at the time because I couldn't... When you're in something like that, it's very hard to reflect on it with clarity. But now that I'm out of gambling in the arena, I can reflect on it. And yes, um, seeing my dad gamble from a young age, um, role modeling those behaviors, and even more... The fact that he was very smart and had some level of success with it. I mean, it, it came at a price of his, you know, mental health. Um, but because he was smart and calm and rational, he did okay for himself. And all I heard growing up as a young kid was how smart my dad was. You know, like he's a mathematical genius. And I had maybe 10, 15% of that at most. And, you know, wanting to be like that and having losing my dad at, at 13... Um, to cancer Um, yeah it was definitely like gambling was me trying to connect with him and trying to be like him and trying to be revered like he was Um, I didn't realise that at the time it was more of a subconscious thing I wasn't going thinking I'm going to do this for dad it was more like I wanted to win 
But yes, definitely him role modeling those behaviors and him being revered as a mathematician um, was a big part of the reason why I gambled, especially at such a young age. Normalized behavior. Um, my name's Jack, and um, your dad died when you were at a young age. Mm. How did it affect you? Big time, <laughs> big time. Um, I, I mean, you don't know when you're young because you're not, you haven't formed your life experiences in your brain enough to understand the the full magnitude of a loss like that. But it's a huge loss. Um, and like I said to you guys earlier, like my mum is a similar personality to me, like wild and free-spirited and a bit silly whereas my dad was very the opposite like very vanilla very serious and funny daddy type very smart and um so losing that discipline and losing those boundaries at home because you know i could very easily take advantage of my mom and i did um was a big part of the reason why i could easily gamble from such a young age and i could easily steal coins and steal five dollar notes and stuff and she didn't realize and, and just even it's caused other problems in my life. I was thinking about the other day, like not having as much boundaries as a kid. Sometimes I'll do things that might offend someone or, um, and for me, like that's a natural behavior because I wasn't well disciplined as a young child. So there's a lot of things that I'm learning now about myself and trying to improve on that it would have been great to have learned and been guided and taught by my dad when I was younger. Um, so it feels a big a big hole in your life and it wasn't really until I was 20, 21 that I could actually start processing the damage that that loss had, had on, on my life. Hello, my name is Beck. Can you explain who or what helped you give up your gambling issues? So what made me stop? Yeah. Yeah, like what I was saying to um Charlie, it was, it was that moment of panic when after I'd stolen from my mother like the third time and she said, if you keep doing this, if you do it one more time, I'm calling the police and I'm pressing charges. I, I panicked, man. Like, I, I freaked out. I was scared for myself. Like, I know it's selfish that, you know, and when you're gambling like that, it's, at times, you can be very selfish. Like, I'm doing all this damage to other people. But because I don't think that I'm a loser or I'm not ready to accept it, it's, you don't stop, that's not enough to stop you. And in theory, you look at it and go, oh, that's really silly. Like, you should be more considerate. And I should have been, but I just wasn't. I was, I was selfish. I was thinking about gratifying myself. And uh, I was all about instant gratification, like wanting to gamble, wanting to win, and like that, you know? Not having to wait and work hard and build things slowly. And it wasn't until that moment that m my mum said and seriously said, if you do this again, I'm calling the police. I, that was my rock bottom. That was the moment I felt everything that I'd been doing and I just knew I had to change. Like, I just felt it. It, it consumed me and, there was, and I just decided, that's it, done, you know? And even though it sounds simple, I just decided, you know, it took me probably, I didn't make my last bet until like a year after that, but that's really when I started my recovery process. Like, I agreed to go to psychiatry. I agreed to, um, you know, starting to pay her back, starting to look for a job starting to work on my health. So that was the moment that I started to work through my gambling issues to answer your question. You guys answer, ask good questions. If you're just tuning in, this is Lockie, Charlie, Jai, Jack and Rebecca talking to Fred Rubenstein about his gambling journey here on Live FM at McKillop College, Werribee, Melbourne, Australia. Fred, can you talk about after stealing from your mum to feed your addiction, can you tell us what your mindset was then? My mindset was... 
My mindset was I'm going to – I need to win back this money. I need to keep gambling because if I stop, I have to accept what I've done, the losing that money. I have to accept the damage I've caused in my relationships and in my familiar relationships. And I have to get a job and I have to do hard work. And I wanted to avoid that, at being a young, selfish, immature kid. You know, at 18, I wanted to avoid all those consequences and all those realities about life. I wasn't ready to accept that until, like I said, she said, after maybe the third time that I'd done it, or that she caught me doing it, I should say, because I stole about $25,000. Until she said, and I knew she was serious, and I'm going to call the police, and that was the moment that everything changed. Um, but up until then, up until then, it was like, I'm going to just keep doing this until I can win the money back because I'm not ready to stop. I want to keep going because I'm not ready to start that other journey of getting my, my stuff together. I'm not ready to accept that I'm not a winner because I really wanted to be a winner in that space because, like I said, I am. I do have some mathematical intelligence and I was confident in my ability to manipulate odds and stuff like that, but my emotional control was so low that I was going beyond anything and everything, things at a low percentage, things that didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about because I just completely lost control. And that's the key word, is control. Like, I'm anti-gambling harm, but I'm not anti-gambling. Like, if you guys tell me stories about, you, you know, you put 10 bucks on, like, the Norman Smith medal or sort of Brownlow or the Melbourne Cup, I, I, it's not, I don't see anything wrong with that. But, you know, where you've got to be careful is there's a group of 12 guys and they're all social gamblers, you know, they'll bet on the footy or they'll bet on the horses or whatever here and there. But there might be one or two that are struggling and suffering and don't have that control where they can just do it as a social activity and that's the problem and that's something that needs to be more spoken about which is a big part of why I'm here and it's something that needs to be more socially accepted and, and recognised that just because you know maybe four or maybe all of you guys could do it and just put $10 and walk away I can't do it I don't have that self-control I still don't so for me the best solution is to not gamble at all um, and to take risks in other part of life um, healthier, more logical risks. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important point that I'd like to make. Another good question. You guys are on fire. Fred, could you um, elaborate to, to us more when your mum stated that she was going to call the police? Like, how did that make you feel? Like, you know, what were your emotions? Like, what was going through your head? Like, obviously at that point it was mm. rock bottom. Like, how did you, like, process it? You guys are very good at, like, pinpointing the key points in the journey. It's very impressive. Um, it was a really hard thing to hear. It made me feel weak. I felt very weak and vulnerable because, like I said to you guys earlier, about I was trying to run off with highs and lows, but in that moment, I felt everything that I was doing. Yeah. And I just felt weak and sad and ashamed. And it just hit me. You know, it's not like I'd never felt those ex emotions before I had but not in a single, I never had a singular moment like that where it was glaringly obvious. And it all hit you at once. Yeah, that I, if I didn't decide to make a change, then I was stuffed. Yeah. That I was going to get, you know, potentially a criminal record in trouble with the police. And oh. that's when my self-preservation kicked in. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, it was, it was, it was scary. I, yeah. I, was, I was scared, I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, I was afraid of having to do all the hard work to rebuild my life and get my stuff together. 
Um, but it was probably the best thing that she's ever done for me. Yeah. Um, Something that like kind of needs to be done. Had to be done. Had exactly to, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Had to be done. And I'm glad it was done, even though it was very hard. And it wasn't just, oh, the journey starts now and that's it. No, no, no. That was still, you know, I still gambled after that, but much yeah. less. You know, I still had some unhealthy habits, but I started, I started my process. Of yeah, recovery. so I was kind of like getting over like the hump. Then that's right. Just gets that was yeah. right. Hit the bottom, and then I started. Yeah, I start. I started going to psychiatry. Yeah, and it took me about a year before I fully bought in to that new lifestyle of healthy living mm. and making a, a positive contribution to society. Um, a year after that moment, you know, it wasn't just oh everything's fixed. Yeah, but it was the moment that I decided I had to make a change or. I knew that I was stuffed. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Charlie. At what point did you decide to seek help? So it was at that point that we're talking about, and I feel like now that I realize when I speak it, it often comes back to that point, my rock bottom point. So um, I actually didn't seek the help. I just reluctantly agreed to the help because I didn't really have a choice because my mum had the leverage of having, you know, me having stolen and, you know, she could have easily turned me into the police and she would have if I didn't stop. Um, so that was the moment so I said okay I'll see a psychiatrist and even when I started I wasn't ready I was you know lying and I was still um, delusional and I was still afflicted by gambler's logic where you think that you, th you have irrational ideas about gambling you know that oh you've had bad luck now your good luck's going to come stuff like that so that was the moment that I s sought help or my mum sought help for me but it took me about a year of lying talking trash um, before I could really be honest with him. And the reason for that is, like I was just saying to Charlie, I wasn't honest with myself. You know, I wasn't honest. I still, like I said, I was still afflicted with that gambler's logic of I can win this back. I'm going to do it. And that big ego of wanting to be the hero, not wanting to be seen as a loser. It took me, yeah, it took me about a year before I could be honest with myself, before I could realize what I'd done. And, and to do that, I had to fully walk away. I to fully step away and see all the damage and see the environment for what it was yeah. and the industry for what it was doing to me. And when I started being honest with myself and my godmother, I told her the money I'd lost. That was my, a big step for me in my process. Then I told him. Um, and the way he phrases it, and I completely agree now, is it was a very expensive lesson that gambling is not the right thing for me because I don't have the personality or the emotional stability or the mindset, I just don't, it's not right for me. Yeah. I can't control myself and, it, and it's very harmful to me actually. Um, and it, it won't be like that for everyone, but there will be people and there are people who it is like that for and that is not okay actually. It's not okay. It's okay that they're suffering and that it's not right for them, but it's not okay that we allow that and don't talk about that and don't try to intervene or support where we can you know, at the end of the day, it's, it was up to me as the gambler to walk out and make that decision yeah. and have that moment. And yeah, there's definitely things you can do to facilitate having that moment earlier and little things. But at the end of the day, it's up to the gambler. So we need to help them. We need to help them make that decision. We need to help them realize the things that I realized through my journey um, in their own way, in their own time, so that they can do the minimal damage um, to themselves and those around them. And that's why I'm really passionate. A big reason why I'm so passionate about speaking about gambling harm. And again, I'm not anti-gambling. I'm anti-gambling harm. After you sought help, did your mental health improve? <sighs> that is a hard question. Um, I would say... I would say initially, 
no, because I was still unwell. You know, I still had depression and anxiety. Um, but over time, yes. Yes, it did. There are some um, biological things that I still go through. But now that I've been through that journey and I've experienced it and I've been supported through it, like I want others to be supported through it by professional psychiatrists, I know what I have to do to take care of my mental health, even when, when challenges come up. But back then, I had no idea. So initially, it didn't until I started being honest, and then I went right up. Then I went right up because I started feeling good about myself. I started feeling in control and empowered. You know, honesty is, is so powerful, even if it's not good on, you know, it's not good information you're sharing. It's so powerful because it's the truth. It's the truth. I was living a lie. I was living the result of um, warped logic, irrational thinking, you know, gambling logic. And it wasn't working for me. And when I started being honest, yeah, my mental health went like that. It really improved. And another point that's really important is I'm not fixed. I'm not cured. You know, I, will, I intend to never gamble again, but I, it's something I need to be careful of when things arise, like pandemic and other triggers. I need to be mindful. But also my mental health is not always perfect. You know, I, the pandemic was very difficult for me. Um, I came out of it very flat and not sure what I wanted to do with the next step in my life and um, I wasn't doing my best work and that was last year when my life was on track. So my point in saying this though, even though it's so much better, my life now and my mental health, it's not, I'm not just a picture of health and recovery and done, you know, you don't, yeah. you can walk away from gambling but you can't walk away from your, from mental health, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing maintaining your mental health and it is so much better and I have so much more control and confidence um, and for me that's what the psychiatric process is all about and I told you guys earlier it's not the only way that was just a way and that was the right way for me because at the end of the day it was about giving me the self-awareness over a long time and a lot of ups and downs the self-awareness to self-manage so that when these triggers arise I can deal with it and I needed that and I'm very grateful and lucky to have that now. Um, well, you were ashamed of that you even had to hide from your friends. What was I ashamed of? Yeah, they had to hide from your friends. I was ashamed because, like I said, I had the ego, you know, like, and I had this idea that I was special and that I was going to be a winner because I just wanted to win so badly. Um, and I still want to win, but I, now I want to win in healthier forms of life, you know, like doing this and educating and soccer coaching. But I was ashamed of losing. I was ashamed of being seen as a loser. I, was ash I wasn't ready to admit to myself or look in inwards and say, am I good at this? Is this something that I can actually have success in? Um, I just wanted to win and I thought I was better than I was and I wasn't in touch with reality. And that's what I was ashamed of. I was ashamed of all those things. So to cover it up, I lied. I lied through my teeth. I became a compulsive liar as well as a compulsive gambler. Um, and now I try to be a compulsive truth teller, even if it's not comfortable. Um, but it's much better. But yes, I was ashamed of just all the damage I'd done to myself and to my friends and family and to my bank account and to my mental health. And I wasn't ready to look into it. I was running from it, you know, and I was using the gamble to gambling to gratify myself. So I didn't have to face it. So, geez, you guys have some great questions, guys. This is really, really hitting hitting the issues on the head. Well done. You know, I'd say that gambling is like 
really normalised in Aussie culture. Mm, definitely. Like, what are the signs that people need to look for? Like, you've experienced it firsthand. Like, how do you identify that someone's got a gambling addiction? Because mm. even like you said, like, it's one thing to, you know, bet like $10 or something for like a Norm Smith medalist, but completely different in general. And like, even said, like, you have a group of mates and yeah. you can't identify which ones could be struggling. It's very hard. It's very hard. And I'm really glad you asked that question because it's something I'm really big on. And it's another reason that I think it's really important for people in my position to speak and advocate. Because, for example, if you see someone with um, drug addiction or alcoholism, you can see the, those problems, isn't it? Like, you might see that on the street. Or you might have a cousin and go, this, this is serious. Like, we need to deal with this. We need to have treatment for this. Um, and in school, you'll get the same. You'll get yeah. drug ed- education, alcohol education, sex education. And so you should. But where's the gambling education? There is none. Exactly. And the person in the pokies might have, they might be sick like I was in the mind. But you can't see that. Exactly. You can just see that, you know, they're shitty yeah. and they're angry and that they're gambling, you know, and they might be gambling ridiculous hours. And that's all you can see. So the best way to answer your question is to create an environment of support that they feel comfortable sharing the things that I wasn't comfortable sharing, like I was just saying to Mebek, um, is to, yeah, to create an environment where it's not shameful, where there's not a stigma around being a loser. Yeah. And there's not stigma around, oh, this guy won 30 bucks, you know, I need, to, I need to outdo him, you know? Exactly. And people looking at you and go, oh, you're a loser, you just can't have control. And I think to answer your question, the, for me, the key word is control. Like, do you have control? Can you walk away? Like, do you depend on it? Like, yeah. if you do it for social fun, 50 bucks at the casino, paying on the roulette, you lose, no problem. That's fine. Like, to me, anyway. I yeah. don't see a problem with that at all. Yeah. That's the intended purpose of it. Mm-hmm. But if you cannot walk away, you don't have control, it's impacting your mental health, your self-esteem, relationships, your financial situation, that's when it starts being problematic. When and it you starts can't, affecting like, life. leave until you win. You can't leave. You can't leave. Like, if I walk into a casino now, I mean, I do have control now, but when I was gambling, there was no control. The only thing I could control is not putting myself in that environment, and that was bloody hard to do. But once I was there, there's no control. If I could lose one grand, five grand, I don't have control, man. Mm. I had no impulse control. So that's the key. The key word to me is control. Do you have control? And even though it's a hard thing to admit to yourself, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. 100%. So, how does your new job as a teacher help you in your recovery? It's it's almost as helpful as the psychiatry has been. Um, and it sustains me in that, like I said, I was a compulsive gambler and now I'm a compulsive educator of young men and, and women like I'm doing right now. Um, so, it's very cathartic for one, being able to teach from the perspectives that I've gained from all that hardship and adversity. Um, it's very empowering, actually, and it's very rewarding. And it keeps me on a better path. It keeps me busy. You know, a big trigger for gambling is boredom, actually. And like I said, I, I, had, I dropped out of uni and I had no real purpose in life. And I had the personality and the mentality of wanting to win all the time. And I turned to gambling and I learned that that was not a good choice for me anyway. And this is a good choice because there are feelings that are lasting. They're rewarding. You know, I get paid. I don't lose money to do it. Um, but mostly is the connection and the love 
that I never got from gambling, that I get from the kids, yeah. and that I get from co-workers. Um, and I have some amazing co-workers, and, and some of the kids I work with are awesome. And that connection, it's much more real than the win of a gamble, you know, because that lasts for like 10, 20 minutes, yeah. and then you want it again, and you want it, and it, and it doesn't last. But this lasts. This lasts, and it's much better. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on gambling and sport? <laughs> How much time do we have, Ron? That's uh, that's a big question. Um, like I said, my opinion is that I don't have an issue with social gambling. I have an issue with, or have concerns with, people who are in my position that don't have self-control in a gambling environment, in the context of gambling. I also have issues, major issues, and I'll be very honest with the agencies and the government. Um, and I have to be careful here because um, my organisation is through the government, but I have issues with the regulation on companies like Sportsbet, you know, the stuff into Crown, being able to keep their licence. I think I'm very concerned by some of these things because my con we're talking about control. To me, it seems like they have a lot of the control and the gamblers don't have that much control um, in terms of deposit limits. For example, if I went to Sportsbet and said, okay, you can't, don't accept me as a member, and you know, no deposit limit, nothing. I could undo that. My mate told me I could undo that in about one minute. You know what I mean? So if I was going through a bad patch and I was triggered and I wanted to gamble, I could gamble. You know, it's very hard to actually effectively exclude yourself. So I'm very concerned about the control that the agencies have, and I'm very concerned about the promotion, the promotions, and the things, especially that I'm concerned about the promotions, is that. You guys, have you guys seen some of the sports bet ads? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Even like on TV yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You always see advertising. And what do you, how do you see, what do you think of the image they try to, they, is it like funny? Is it serious? Oh, they make it like funny, just something that, you know, really appealing, like just have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what like a massive issue is because mm. then a lot of people just fall into that trap. Absolutely. And if they're not careful, they don't have control. Same thing that like what you experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was saying, like you were saying it was funny, but for me, Gambling was not funny at all. Exactly. You know, I was a thief and a liar and it was really stuffing up my life. I was gambling with more than money. I was gambling with my relationships. I was gambling with my health. You know, so that's not funny. That's not funny. That's not, that's not a joke. It's serious. It's serious and it, and it, and it freaking hurts, man. And it's, and it's hard. So, yeah, it might be fun and funny for some people, but it's not funny. Like, gambling harm is serious. So when I could see that that's allowed and that kids are being exposed to that, it's, yeah, it's very concerning. It's very concerning. Um, and I'm not going to outward outright criticise the government because I understand there's multi-layers to these things. And I'm a part of the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation and they do some fantastic work and they try very hard. But I would like to see more pressure, scrutiny, regulations on these agencies because at the end of the day they're a business and yeah. the objective is a business is to make money so they are pro gambling harm these businesses because it works in their favor it hits their bottom line but at the end of the day they're pro us losing they're pro us suffering and that's something that i'm not i'm not cool with i'm not okay with and i don't think it's funny yeah um if your mom was tricked like your father do you reckon you'd still be gambling <sighs> good one i think I might have, I just would have probably had an earlier intervention, you know, because he would have been there on my ass, like, stop this, and been yeah. really strict. And I still think I would have done it because I'm a very strong personality and have very strong will. 
to do the things I want to do, and I still do. Um, but I think I would have found it harder. I think I might have been sneakier. But also, on the flip side of that, I might have felt less comfortable to be honest. So there's good and bad with everything, you know. Her being soft was and lacking boundaries was problematic in the sense that um, I got away with too much. I was comfortable to steal from her. I would never have done that to my dad. I would have been terrified. But in the fact of getting support, I wouldn't have been comfortable sitting in, in a psychiatrist's room with my dad because I would have felt like he was just judging me. Whereas my mum, even though she was judging me, I, she was much more open and understanding. So I was more comfortable in that space. So to answer your question, oh, it's a hard question. I think I would have done it differently. I would have done it differently. Um, it would have been different, but I would have got to the same place. I would have been problem, had a problem, but because I'm lucky and I have support, and I'm very lucky to have that support. Not everyone does. Not everyone has the resources to seek out top-level psychiatry. You know, Because I had that, I think I would have got to where I am, more or less, in a similar time frame. Whereas not everyone has a mom or dad who's up there you know, on their back, and offering support, offering to pay for things that you can't afford. And those people need support in the form of society and in the form of organisations and people looking out for them and asking them questions. And yes, it comes down to the individual at the end of the day. Are they willing to stop? Are they willing to accept um, that it's not the right thing for them? But wouldn't if you were in that situation, wouldn't you want help? Wouldn't you want someone who's got your back, oh, yeah. who's looking yeah, out for your definitely. best interest, not just someone who just wants to take all the money that you have. Oh, definitely. So it makes a big difference. Makes yeah. a big difference. What advice would you give to people that could be going through what you did? My advice is to take a breath and be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself because you can't be honest with anyone if you're not honest with yourself. Um, you know, what, what am I actually doing here? What am I trying to achieve? What have I achieved so far? Have I won? Have I lost? What is it? What has it done to me? What has it done to my friends, and to my family? And is this right? Do I see a future in this? You know, or could I d be doing something different with my time? And like I said, I can give that advice, but it's up to the person to take it, and it's up to the person to realize the things on their own, like I've realized, and I'm like I'm still learning. Um, but yes, my advice is to just be honest. Be honest with yourself about what you've done. The consequences of the actions you've taken and think about the future. Like, where am I going? What do I want to actually do in life? Because for me, I don't want to be a gambling thief ever again. Ever again. What I do now is so much better and so much more rewarding, like I was saying. So, look at the future. What do you want to do with your life? You only live once. What do you want to do? We're all going to die. What are you going to do? What do, you, what do you want to do with your life? You know? So, be honest with yourself. That's my advice. This is Gambling Harm on Live FM. We are Lockie, Charlie, Jai, Jack and Mabek from McKillop College, Werribee, Melbourne, Australia, talking to Fred Rubenstein about his gambling journey. Thank you to Fred for joining us today and thank you for tuning in. My pleasure, boys. Thank you for the great, great questions. Live from McKillop College, Werribee, Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM.